It is time to get started on our Bible class this morning. We got a lot to cover. We've, we've really crammed a lot into this quarter, and I apologize. We've had to go very fast on this. We're going to have to move pretty quick this morning as well, and so it'll be a little different. Um, while I'll have the verses on the screen, it will help you in discussion if you have them open in your Bible as well, if you want to follow along. So um, we are in First John. Today we're going to be doing chapter 3, 4, and 5 to the end of the book. So, 1 John, starting in chapter 3. And we're going to go ahead and get started just so we can make sure we have time enough to get in on everything. All right. Okay, so you can see it there, chapters 3, 4, and 5. Okay, there. Okay, so... I'm going to read along this and then uh, stop at various points and discuss. So have your Bibles open. You know, I had a thought yesterday, too, that sometimes it helps that um, we can be very auditory people. So if you even wish to just close your eyes and listen as I read, uh, you might find that beneficial as well. All right, so let's get started. Chapter 3, verse 1. See how great a love the Father has given us that we would be called children of God. And in fact, we are. For this reason, the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him, because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope set on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who remains in him sins continually. No one who sins continually has seen him or knows him. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. No one who has been born of God practices sin because his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin continually, because he has been born of God. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother and sister. We're going to stop right there and and go through these verses. So, verses 1 through 10. He is saying in there, just as a summary, We are children of God. That's who we belong to. That's who we're connected to. We are children of God. Now, the opposite of that is, we are not children of the world. That is what we need to stay away from. Because we're if we're in the world, what happens? We're not in God. Okay? So, he tells us at the end of chapter 2 uh, from last week, well, actually, we didn't get to get into it, but at the end of chapter 2, he tells us to be confident. And then he goes right into chapter 3, again saying to be confident and saying to be righteous and do not sin. Now, confidence. What kind of confidence should we have? 
Well, we're going we're gonna to see it more in the verses as we go along this morning, but confident that we are children of God, confident that we can stand before God. And in, verse, in chapter 2, he even tells us not to be ashamed of ourselves when we stand before God. Be confident because we are children of God. And, and all of our strength, everything we have is from God, our Father. And we need to be confident before him to know who we are as well. Verse 6 is especially important here in, in chapter 3. No one who remains in him sins continually. No one who sins continually has seen him or knows him. If we are in Christ, abide in Christ, then we do not continue to sin. Stop sinning. Okay, don't continue in that. You remember your old life before you were a Christian? I hope you do. Okay? That was not God's way before. Now we are children of God living in him. If we abide, live in Christ, then we are Christians. Those that do not live in Christ and do not know him are sinners. Now, this is kind of important to know. We, we as people, we like to put labels on things, don't we? We really do. We like to have a name. We like to belong to something and say, this is who I am. Well, we can confidently say we are Christians and we are not sinners. Now, there's a very important distinction there. And, and, and I'm not going to be able to get dive deeply into that because actually our brother Danny Elmore brought us two devos um, a while back on a Wednesday night examining that very thing. That we are no longer sinners. We are Christians. And there's a distinction there. Sinners are in the world continuing in sin. We as Christians are in God and we are striving every day to stay away from sin. Now, are we perfect, perfectly capable of doing that? Uh, no. It happens. You know, we fall into sin, we stumble, whether it's, it's something major or small, but those temptations face us every day, don't they? But we as Christians, Christians, can repent of that and be right back on, the, on track with God. We have that opportunity. Whereas, as a sinner in the world, we don't have that opportunity, do we? As a sinner, they're lost. As a Christian, we are in a saved state, but we are still an imperfect people and we make mistakes, don't we? All right. I, I really, you know, I appreciate uh, Danny's lesson he gave to us and it really made me think more on that. And then even in my studies here, it just brought it to light. And I'm like, wow, that makes sense. I understand that better for myself now. Okay, so let's get into verse 11. Start there. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we are to love one another, not as Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And for what reason did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil, but his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life 
because we love the brothers and sisters. The one who does not love remains in death. Everyone who hates his brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life remaining in him. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers and sisters. Now, before I continue on here, go back to um, verse 15 there. Uh, Remember in our study in James, uh, in the previous weeks, James was very strongly saying, if you hate, you are a murderer. He was using very strong word language to get his point across. If you hate, you are a murderer. Okay? That just morphs right in there because there is no no great big sin and little sin and, and you know, the little sins are going to be brushed under the rug and all that. No. In, in, in front of God, they're all the same. All right? So he's saying if you've hated somebody, you might as well have just murdered them. Now, strong language, but he's trying to get that point across to them and to us. All right. 17. But whoever has worldly goods and sees his brother or sister in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God remain in him? Little children, let's not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. We will know by this that we are of the truth, and we will set our heart at ease before him. That if our heart condemns us, that God is greater than our heart, and he knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. This is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commanded us. The one who keeps his commandments remains in him, and he in him. We know by this that he remains in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. In all of these verses, this is, you could just say this is, this is love one another, part one. Love one another. We have seen this over and over and over. We saw it in James. We see it in John. We know that these two men were were with Jesus. We know they heard everything Jesus talked about. And we know that they are inspired by the Holy Spirit. They're bringing us God's word here. And we see over and over and over, love one another. How important is that if they keep saying it? it? Must be kind of important, huh? And he's not just saying, oh, just, just, just love those in the, just love your, your fellow Christians. No. Love one another is all-encompassing. He's not saying, well, I'm just going to pick out a few people that, that I can love. The rest, you know, I don't know about the rest of you, but uh. no, he's saying love one another. That's everybody. God didn't, Jesus didn't come to, to earth to say, well, I love you, you guys I'm not so sure about, you over there, yeah, I really don't like you. Jesus came to save all. God wants every soul back to him because he created them. I mean, if you made something, wouldn't you want it back? He wants every one of them, but unfortunately he knows as well that not all of them are going to come home. 
In verses 11 through 18, John emphasizes love in action. Action. Okay? That's a doing. You gotta do something. And Jesus put his love into action. How? By laying his life down for us. By being willing to take on that, those beatings, that humiliation, death for us. That was an action. In verse 18, sums it up. Little children, let's not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. In action and truth. Now, if you remember back in James, you know, I keep referring to that because we've studied it. It should be fresh in your mind, all right? James brought out that faith and works go together. You have to have that balance. You have to have it together. You cannot have just one. Or just the other, you have to have it together. So that works. What is it? Service to God. You have to actually do something. Action. You can't just come in and sit down, read your Bible, and then go back home and say, okay, I'm done. You have to do something about it. And he's saying, he's going to get into it. If you see somebody in need, help them. You know, don't just say, well, I hope you stay warm. Bless you, I hope you you do well. You know, oh, I hope you can find the help you need. He's saying, do something about it. Now, I will say that we are a very active congregation here, and I see over and over and over my brothers and sisters here always willing to help somebody. Whether it's here in our congregation, our family, or outside. We've seen so many times people come in and say, I need a little bit of help. Okay, let's help you. And through that also, we can reach out to them and say, yes, I want to help you, but do you know about the love of of Jesus and what he's done for us? That door might open. You never know. Many times it stays closed, and they they just need the help, and they, they go on. But you never know what your actions are going to do to somebody else. Um, so, and then in verse 20, um, oh, John then goes on to say in this section here that um, to have confidence, just like the end of chapter 2, like we talked about, confidence before God. And then in verse 23, he goes on to say, this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Love, love, love. It's all about love. As I said, this is love part one. Okay? How important is that? How important is that word love? Okay? I love my wife. I love my friends. I love those around me. I love the world. Now, to me, they, they all have different meanings. But ultimately, it comes back to God. How does God love us? Partially? No. He loves us completely. Completely. Can we copy that? I hope so. All right, so we're going into chapter 4, verse 1. Follow along with me. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, 
which you have heard is coming, and now it is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, the one who knows God listens to us. The one who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Testing the spirit. What does that actually mean? You know, at first read through there, first glance, you know, like, okay, testing the spirit? You know what he's, he's actually doing is he is warning us. He's saying, in everything you do, as John talks about false prophets, about the Antichrist. Remember last week I gave you the definition of Antichrist? It's right there in the word, Antichrist. Anything opposing or against Christ, against God. So it's not like in the movies that we see this big, terrible demon devil come and that's the Antichrist. No, it's here. It's, it's us. It's those around us. It's anybody that's opposed to Christ and to God. All right? So I'm sure you know those people as, as I do. And some of them may even be my friends. Because in their, their actions, in their thoughts, in their beliefs, they do not live according to God's word. Okay? And their influence can do what? It can change me if I allow it. So I have to look at them as the Antichrist, the one that, that I do not follow as the false prophet. I mean, this world is full of false teachers, false leaders, false preachers. And these things we have to watch out for continually. Even as I stand up here today, or every Sunday that I have, and I try to teach to the best of my knowledge, to the best of my ability, from the, the studying I've done. But, you know, sometimes my brain and my mouth disconnect. All right? Or maybe my mouth's going way too fast for my brain. And I can say things wrong. And I appreciate when somebody's come and say, okay, I need some clarification on this. Or, or you, you kind of left off this. Or, or was this part kind of, you know, you could have done better there. I appreciate that. Because I would like the opportunity to correct myself. I do not want to lead you down a path that is wrong. But ultimately, the responsibility is yours. I cannot save you. You have to, to be your own nature of salvation. You have to save yourself and your belief. I cannot do that for you. And so you have to test everything I say. You have to look through what? God's word. Everything you do, compare it to God's word. Don't just go by memory or, or yeah, I, th- I kind of think that's true. Study it. Compare it. Be active in that. Active in your own salvation in that respect. Okay, so step back and be cautious when you listen to anybody talk about God's word. We're moving on to 7. Verse 7, chapter 4. Beloved, let's love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. 
The one who does not love does not know God, because God is love. By this, the love of God was revealed in us, that God has sent his only Son, his only Son, into the world so that we may live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we remain in him and he in us, because he has given to us of his spirit. We have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him, and he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. By this, love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, we also are in this world." There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, and yet he hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother and sister, whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. Love part two. See, I told you there was different parts there. How many times can he say the same thing over and over? All the way back to James. Love one another. God is love. So, why do we love others? Love others because God loves you. Love others because God lives in you. Now, that's a short summary of those entire verses there. We love because God loves us. We love because God lives in us. Now, knowing my very selfish nature, I have to hold on to this every day. I have to remind myself, because honestly, knowing myself and what I would be without Christ, I, I, that person I just never want to become. You know, I know my flaws. I know my weaknesses. And for me especially, I have to hold on to that thought every day that God loves me, and he has a plan for me, and he has a home for me. And I need to stay on that path and reach him. So, I need to live in God as much as he lives in me. I need to love others as much as he loves me. It's a thought we need to continually hold on to every day. All right, we are now into chapter 5, the last chapter of 1 John. Now, If you remember, we said in James, James was a guidebook for the everyday Christian, wasn't it? 
you could take James and go through there and say, okay, this is what I need to live every day. Well, now pair that with John, 1 John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. You know, 1st John, we, we've got a lot of information out of, and we're going to get more out of 2nd and 3rd as well. But if you put these together just as an everyday study, as an everyday thought, you are going to glean so much that will help you through life. So, chapter 5, verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves the child born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and follow his commandments. Now, do you see that connection there? Love God and follow his commandments. Okay? So there's a faith and an action right there. Your faith has you love God. Your actions have you following his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For whoever has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So, 1 through 5, just a a summary there. Obey God. Believe in Christ. And then what? Have victory over the world. Because we have to have that victory to reach our home. If we allow the world to overcome us, we don't get home. And that's what we're striving for, isn't it? That final destination of home, heaven, with God our Father, with Jesus his Son. That's where we want to be. But we got to keep going. And if we continue in our faith and continue in that walk, he says, we will have victory. When we come together as a worship, and any time as a fellowship, you know what that is? That's a celebration. This morning as we even go into worship, it is a celebration that we have eternal life with God. We celebrate that. When we take the Lord's Supper and we're remembering Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Now, we know it as a, as a formal, a somber time, but it is also a celebration that we have life, that we have eternal life, that we will arrive home because of Jesus. Think about that during worship today and even during Lord's Supper. Think about that victory that you have, not had, have. All right, we go on in verse 6, chapter 5. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not with the water only, but with the water and with the blood. It is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and the three are in agreement. If we receive the testimony of people, the testimony of God is greater For the testimony of God is this, that he has testified concerning his Son. The one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. 
The one who does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given concerning his Son. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. The one who has the Son has the life. The one who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. Our only way is through Jesus Christ. He puts it plainly right there. That life is through Jesus Christ. Verses 6 through 12 makes it very clear that we are to believe in the Son of God and have eternal life. But can we really grasp the concept of eternal life with God in heaven? The world is a very hard place. You know, make no mistake, life as a Christian is not easy. We are still facing daily struggles at work, at home, with those around us. It's just hard. It was not meant to be easy. But we know that. We know that we just continue on through it. And it tries to pull us off the path to heaven, our true home. You know, there are so many temptations saying, hey, come over here. It's, it, the grass is greener over here. There are better things over here. Come on. But we've even seen in previous studies that you can't be a fence straddler. You don't want to go off that path. The grass is not greener on that other side because what's waiting over there for us? More temptation, loss, those mud pits of life that we go through. We need to stay on, on the straight path. But so many times, you know, can we really think about eternal life? Can we grasp that? So for me, you know, as I go through every day at work or, or whatever I'm doing, you know, I get tired. Life has hit me maybe hard that day or, or coworkers have been especially unpleasant or just things have happened in my life. You know, things didn't go as I planned. And, and so many times I, I look forward to my bed at night. I look forward to, to that final time at night when I can crawl into my bed, put those covers over my head, and just shut out the world. And I'm sure you feel that way many times too. I just want it to all be done for the day. I want to reach that point, my safe place, my refuge that gets me many times through the day because I know what, what waits for me there. And that is just the truth for me. Now imagine that as heaven, that safe place of heaven. Think about our entire Christian walk every day. It's hard. There are pitfalls. There's so much against us. The world is against us. The world hates us. Because we're different. But you know what? Look forward to that safe refuge with God our Father in heaven. Because we, when we get there, there is no more burden. There is no more trouble. There is no more being crushed by the world. There is no more sickness. There is no more depression. There is no more disappointment. Home. Can you imagine that? A safe place. Verse 13. These things I have written to you 
who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. I'm going to stop right there, emphasize confidence in your prayer. Confidence. You cannot be wish-washy in your prayers. Okay? When you ask God for something, believe that he is going to answer. Now, he may not give you the answer you want. He may not give you the answer you prayed for, but he is going to answer you one way or another. If anyone sees his brother or sister committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will for him give life to those who commit sin not leading to death. There is sin leading to death. I am not saying that he should ask about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not leading to death. We Okay, I'm going to go back for a minute. I want to just, just clarify something there. These two verses right here are hard. They're kind of hard to understand, aren't they? And even in my studies, it was not perfectly clear. You know, what's he talking about especially? Now, I'm not going to go into these as we go on, because this, I believe this is a whole nother study right here. All right? And I'm going to leave that to people like Tony or James or Jaylee or others to bring a detailed study, which I could not do this morning. All right, just know that sometimes some things are harder to understand and we have to put more effort into them. And as such, I do not have the time to go into that right now. And I apologize, but we're going to continue on. We know that no one who has been born of God sins, but he who was born of God keeps him, and the evil one who does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. The whole world is with the evil one. And that's not where we want to be. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God in eternal life. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. And with that, John closes out 1 John his letter to the people around there, around Ephesus. Now, John, in 13 through 21, he again emphasizes that we are to have confidence before God. Confidence. How many times in our walk in life do we not have confidence? Where we have doubt, where we're just not sure about things, okay? Now, that's the world throwing doubt on us, isn't it? But he's saying, no. Have confidence. As children of God, you are confident of the love that your Father has for you. And be confident. Confidence about our eternal life. Confidence about praying for each other. Do you pray for each other? You know, look at the power of prayer. Even even in worship when we make that, that time of uh, a song of invitation. Inviting anybody that needs prayers, you know, from their brothers and sisters. 
That's a, a time when we can pray for them, to pray for each other. Because he's saying that prayer has power. And God will hear that. And he will act on it. Can you imagine that? Me being able to pray for somebody else and God listening and go, yes, I can, I will help that person. You know, in my mind, it always was like, God, we need your special attention on this person. You already know everything there is about them. But Father, as, as, as their brother or sister or as, as somebody that loves them, I'm, I'm begging you for some extra special attention. And I have confidence that he is listening to me. Also in, in these verses, John goes on to remind us again, because we need reminders, don't we, continually. He reminds us that we are not to continue in sin and that we are children of God. Okay, now going back to previous verse that we just studied, we are Christians, we are not sinners, but we do sin. Okay, remember labels, because those are so important to many of us. We are Christians, not sinners, but we do continue to sin. All right, but as Christians, we have a way to get out of that sin and back to God. The world has that way, but they don't take advantage of it. And that's why they remain in the world. Then at the very last verse, now that's a, kind of an odd one here, and I'll throw back on there. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. That's kind of abrupt, isn't it? He goes all the way through this letter, and he's talking about love, and didn't at the very end just something, boom, right out of the blue, and it's like, where does that fit in? Okay, you got to remember that he's warning us. All this letter was, was a warning to stay on the path, who we are. God loves us. Be confident. And then that final warning, because he's so concerned with them, guard yourselves from idols. Now, if you really think about it and think about the rest of it, it actually fits. That whole area around Ephesus. Ephesus was a key center for idol worship, idolatry. It was a, They had people coming in and out there. It was a busy hub for commerce, for everything. And with all that, it brought in more and more. They had temples there, and, and it was just a daily life occurrence. All right? Now, now we can say as we sit here and, and we've read and and. And study, we go, oh yeah, idols. Terrible, terrible. I, I, I'm, I have nothing about that. But honestly, I mean, really look at points of your life, even before you're a Christian. How important were things to you? Now, he recognizes that as well, that, that anything, anything that comes between you and God can be your idol. And we've talked about this before in previous lessons. It can be money. It can be cars. It can be your job, even. Are you putting too much time into your job and not into God? You know, many of us do that. We get caught up because the world says to be a success, you have to, to keep working. Work, 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 work. And to really be a success, you need money. You need lots of money. 
And these are all the influences of the world on us. And what happens? They draw us away. They draw our attention away. And pretty soon those distractions become our idols. All right? It doesn't need to be something that we've carved out and put on the bookcase and and we worship that every day or pray to it. No. Anything that comes between you and God can be that idol. And that would have been at the very forefront of John's mind as he closed out this letter. All right. So, that is 1 John. We've gone through chapters 1 through 5. I hope that you will reread them because we're going to be going next week into next week is our final class and we're going to do 1st and 2nd John combined. And so I wanted to make sure we closed out uh we're going to be doing 2nd and 3rd John combined and I wanted to make sure we closed out 1st John. Again, if you have any questions, comments or anything to add, please feel free to come and grab me and talk about it. If I've made any mistake or anything, let's talk. I'm certainly open to that. All right, we're going to close out now. Let's go ahead and get ready for worship. Thank you.